Hey Seacoast, a few months ago we began a new season of ministry that we've called Next. Next is our vision for what we believe God has for us over the next two years. We believe that our generosity and initiatives will set us up to do amazing things in the future. So I want to give you an update of what's been happening uh, during the first few months of Next. I'm here at the North Charleston Dream Center uh, in the Women's Transitional Home. It's gonna to exist to come alongside of women and their children, house them for a transitional period of about seven months to a year as they get on their feet during their time of need. We'll be able to host up to four families at a time within the home once it's launched. And you guys, Seacoasters, have been volunteering and working to remodel it for the launch later this year. Uh, it's all thanks to your generosity that we've been able to make it happen. For a few years, we've been looking for a new location for our Columbia campus. And after a long search, we've closed on a great location. It will allow for the campus to grow by providing space and some much needed visibility. It's an answer to 12 years of prayer and will be the start of an amazing new chapter for this campus. There's one more really cool project that I wanna tell you about. We've been working with Vita and Esperanza School in Guatemala for the past 10 years. And thanks to Next, we're able to wrap up a huge project. The country was in a 35-year civil war until 1996 that devastated the infrastructure. And we've been working with them to construct a new school facility for students uh, to continue to learn in. Seacoast Mission teams recently helped to install the roof on the facility, partially funded by your next donations. This is no small undertaking. Just ask Craig Sherman, who's led teams because the facility's huge. This school will also serve as a community center and a church, and they can now continue to be a central part of what God is doing in this community. These are just a few of the many projects that are still in the planning stages that we really can't wait to, to get going on and share with you. Here's the exciting thing. We're just getting started. This is a two-year initiative, and there's a lot that we wanna get done. To date, your giving has us on a pace to receive 80% of the huge vision that God gave us to fully fund next. So that's a great start. Let's keep going strong and accomplish everything that God has set before us. If you're already sacrificially giving, I wanna say thank you. We appreciate you wholeheartedly endorsing and being a part of the vision that God's given us together. If you haven't started to give toward next, I wanna challenge you to do that. See, every dollar that comes in in the next two years funds the next vision. If you haven't started giving yet, just start. Go to the offering box today. Or maybe you'd like to give sacrificially above what you normally give. Let's do this together. We're going to see God do abundantly more than we could ask or imagine over the next two years that will propel us into the future. I want to tell you I'm super excited to introduce our guest for this weekend. He's my friend. Not only that, uh, he's a guy that probably more than anybody else has uh, shown us uh, how you do dream centers, uh, how you serve the community. Dino has written a book called Servolution that's been used by thousands of churches throughout the world uh, as a kind of a roadmap on how to impact uh, your community. Those of us who know him and love him, we call him Father Teresa. But I want you to know him as Dino Rizzo. I want you to give a great big seacoast welcome as Dino comes to share with us today. Can you do that? Let's go for it. 
Thanks a lot. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Great day to be in church. We just want to welcome all those who have joined us at our campuses and also all those who are with us online. And what an incredible opportunity it is to be a part of Seacoast Church. I just thank God for this church. I love this church and have known just all the things that have gone on. I've been in a deep relationship with Seacoast Church for the last 15 years and watching your pastor, Pastor Greg, who has helped be a leader and a big brother to me in my life. And just so grateful for everything that goes on here, your heart for people. And when you hear the word Seacoast, you think about integrity, you think about leadership, you think about generosity, as Pastor Greg talked about all the incredible things and all the neat ways that you're reaching people across the world. And then also right here locally, just talking with Pastor Josh and Jason, just thinking a lot about the things that are happening at the Dream Center and all the different things that are going across through neighborhood outreach and just ideas that you're doing with school supplies and reaching kids and making a difference with those that are fighting through things. And so it is a great honor. I love this church. I love uh, the Surratt family and all the leadership team, great leaders great campus pastors at every campus. We're just so grateful to be a part of that. And I was honored to be able to come in early and be a part of custom student conferences. So that was a lot of fun. And I uh, had a great time, and, and the kids were just wired up, not eating, just going crazy, smelling like puppies. I mean, it's not a youth camp unless the kids are stinking. I'm just telling you straight up. So that was awesome. We could smell you real well. And uh, it was fantastic. It just had a great time. All the kids coming close to cry, the worship team, on and on. So many amazing things taking place. And again, I'm just grateful and thankful for your pastor. Uh, we work together, and he, he's my boss as it relates to ARC, Association of Related Churches. I work now for that as we plant churches around the world. And this coming fall, we're going to plant over 41 churches across the United States. You're a model church in that area. And I also bring you greetings from Birmingham. We've relocated there, and I work alongside uh, with ARC, and then work underneath Pastor Chris Hodges at Church of the Highlands, getting to be a part of their Dream Center and their outreach reaching some of the neat ways we're reaching students and making a difference in our community, helping the poor and helping those that are, that are struggling in areas of their life. So honored, honored, honored to be here and love this church and all the things that are happening in church life across every campus with the kids and the students and ways you get connected in the foyer. I was out in the foyer last night in that service and just had a wonderful time in the serve area, ways to take next steps in God. And I just think there's a lot of great life going on here uh, at all of the campus. So it's an honor and, uh, and I, I just am grateful. I, I think about Seacoast and God has his hand on your church uh, Delenn and I, my wife, and my family will be here in the next service. We were talking about that last night, how just God has had its hand on Seacoast. This is a, a rare, unique church. You've cared for others. You've, you've taken risks doing multiple sites and caring about things that are going on internationally. All the amazing things that you've been a part of with, with providing drinking water and schools and on and on. And, and I, I want to come alongside because really what I want to share for a few minutes is a reminder because you're a church that cares about other people. You You've just showed that in your giving. You've showed that in your worship. I want to talk for a few minutes as a reminder. See, I believe that many of the things that God wants to show us in what we're walking through in our todays is not necessarily new things. I think so often God is just wanting to remind us about where we can flourish and where we can be fruitful and where we can find his will even greater. And I want to bring a reminder to us here at Seacoast about the idea of others, 
others, others, others. So let's pray about that. Father, we love you, and I thank you for this amazing church, and I thank you for our pastors, Lord. Thank you for Pastor Greg and Debbie and Josh and Jason and the family and just all across church life, just great leadership, God, leadership that has a heart for God and a heart for people, Lord. So we just ask right now that you'd help us today. We lean in to hear your word. We thank you for our amazing time of worship. We thank you for what's happening with our kids right now, their areas. Lord, we just believe you're going to speak to us today. You're going to talk to us because you want to help us. And Lord, help us to be reminded that you have a heart for others, 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 that the gospel is a gospel for others. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, and everyone said a good amen. Once you turn to the person next to you and say, I'm glad you made it to church today. Come on, look at that other person. That was your second choice you tried to ignore. Tell them, you look like you could use a little church. I let our church have a It's always a second choice. Now you know who you are. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. I was not raised in church. Uh, my dad was a good Italian Catholic, and my mother was a good North Carolina Baptist, and I was born in Charlotte, raised in Myrtle Beach, so I've got South Kakalaka history. You know, people say, are you from South Carolina? No, I'm from South Kakalaka, and that's what we used to call it, and so uh, I was raised in Myrtle Beach, and we had tourism businesses right there on Ocean Boulevard by a little place called the Pavilion, I was raised there, came to Christ through outreach, but we didn't go to church much uh, because of work, but um, we would go every once in a while, like at Christmas and Easter, go to Catholic Church at Christmas, Baptist Church on Easter. Then the next year we get real creative and we'd swap it up, get a lot, you know, all innovative. And we were what I call kebabists. We did both. And, and that was cool in our home. And so, uh, you know, I came to Christ, got involved with the church. My first Christian leader I ever sat down with, after talking several times with him in little sessions, he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read it over and over again. He said, because when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you learn about Jesus. You learn about the Son of God. You learn how to be like him. And you learn what he was like. And you, you understand what God is like. And he looked at me and he said, because the more I talk to you, the more I realize you are nothing like Jesus. That Christian leader was Pastor Chip Judd. And, uh, and so he's one of your pastors here. So he was, you know, welcome to church. You're nothing like Jesus. Amen. And so that's how he welcomed me into the church. But, uh, you know. In that, I thank God for Pastor Chip because he created an early appetite for the life of Christ. And so I still consider myself a, somewhat of a student of, of the Gospels. And I love reading all the Scripture, teaching out all the Scriptures, but I'm going to have free read. I'm going to read from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I, I want to teach for a minute out of Matthew chapter 15, which for me is one of my favorite windows in Scripture. I just love it, love it because it shows Jesus at his best. Of course, there's so many. We all have our personal favorites, of course, the cross and resurrection. But for me, this is one of my favorite windows into the heart of God for man because it opens up our eyes for others, 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 others. Matthew 15, verse 29, Jesus departed from there and skirted the Sea of Galilee and went up on a mountain, and he sat down there to teach. Then great multitudes came to him. That's interesting. That had happened many times. But they didn't come empty-handed. They came having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed. And I love this phrase, many others, many others. 
says, and they came and they laid them down at Jesus' feet. Jesus healed them. So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. They glorified the God of Israel. Now you would think that uh, that would be the end of the story, but it continues on. This, this is an amazing uh, moment. This is, matter of fact, it's a moment that goes three days. That meeting I just described to you went for three solid days, 72 hours. Could you imagine Pastor Josh getting us? I'm going to start a series. We're going to have church today. We're going, we're going 72 hours. So I'll be done in 72 hours. Could you just imagine a moment like that? Well, this goes three days. Then Jesus in verse 32, I think it's one of the most amazing verses because I think it describes the heart of God. I think so many people, and I run into so many people through being able to serve at the Dream Center and talking about outreach and sometimes trying to be on the tip of the spear uh, of church life out there, working with those fighting through addiction, working with families that are suffering, working with people that are going through tough situations. So often people ask you this question, where, what is God like? And what is God like in this situation? And I believe 32 describes what God is like towards humanity. Then Jesus called his disciples to himself, said these words, and these are words in red. I have compassion on the multitudes because they have continued with me for three days they've been with me. He's been teaching. He's been healing. Right when you thought it was going to let up, more people came with more pain, more problems, bringing their friends, bringing their relatives, bringing their kinfolk, bringing them to Jesus. And he just keeps healing and keeps loving and keeps uh, making a difference in people's life and, and transforming their life and, and having these encounters where their life is totally miraculous. And he's been giving out the supernatural and been giving out love and miraculous moments. And then he says, not only do they need the supernatural, but there's something that also my heart is towards, and that is for the substance of their physical needs. We've seen the supernatural love, guys, but here's what I want to do. I want to move into the practical love. This is what happens in this verse. He says, they've been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. And I do not want to send them away hungry, at least they faint on the way. I want to feed them physically. We fed them spiritually and, they, and they've continued. They've not gone home. They've not broke camp and left. They've all stayed here with me. For three days, they've stayed with me. And my heart goes out to them. They've just been here with me. I want to feed them before they go home. I want to, I want to provide a big lunch for everybody. Let's have a meal. Have you ever just had a spontaneous? Let's feed everybody real quick. That's good if you're ready for it. But if you're not ready for it, you're you having to pull, you know, Triscuits out and some peanut butter. Hey, that's awesome. Got 18 drinks here because that's all we got. Just random little things here. A little ginger ale, a little Dr. Pepper, a little water. Here's a, you know, here's a beat up Kool-Aid. Jesus just does this spontaneous moment. And I love what happens. He gets the disciples involved because he cares about others. Then the disciples said to him, where are we going to get enough bread in the wilderness? Feed such great multitude. Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven, a few fish. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground. He took the loaves of bread, the fish. He gave thanks. He broke them. He gave them. And he gave them to his disciples. And watch this. The disciples gave them to the multitudes, gave them to others. So they all ate, were filled, and they took it with seven large baskets. Those who ate were about 4,000 men. Scholars say there are about 4,000 women, about 10,000 children. Pretty good day on the side of that hill. Jesus 
having a heart for others, showing the disciples his heart for others, showing you and I God's heart for others. You know, there's so many things I learned from this passage. Of course, there are reminders about Jesus that I think sometimes we need to be reminded about. The first thing that reminds me is how much Jesus loves people. He just loves people. I think sometimes we think that Jesus does not love the people we don't love. Or Jesus doesn't like the people we don't like. Can I tell you, Jesus loves people. He loves all kinds of people. He just loves them. And not only does he love them, but I think what's amazing in this story that we learn is that people love to be around him. I think that kind of blows our minds. Sometimes we think, well, I'm not sure if everyone's comfortable with Jesus. and I'm not really sure how people are, are comfortable around God. There's some people that are not comfortable around God. This tells me that every type of problem and pain and situation felt comfortable around the love of God, around Jesus displaying Christ. I love it. Here's the other thing I think is amazing that it reminds me is that Jesus meets people at the point of their need because there's all kinds of needs. And Jesus is just handling all kinds of different needs. And, and it reminds me of this last little thing is that Jesus is okay with organized chaos. Doesn't always have to be perfect. Not everything has to be chopped, chopped, and lined up and just straight and just, 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 just so organized and so perfect. Man, there are kids going around. There are people everywhere. People are starting to get hungry. There's not enough snacks for everybody. How many knows if you run low on snacks with your family, you have a tragedy looking at you? If you got kids, you better be loaded up in the snack area. And so we don't have any snacks. There's, there's not a food. Kids are, it's just wild. People are bringing, uh, there's healing. There's, there's, people are, are marveling. People are excited. It's just a crazy moment. And Jesus just in the middle of it makes this statement, I have compassion on the people. I believe he makes that statement to us today that he has compassion on people. There's some things he wants to teach the boys that day. I believe he wants to teach us. There are three words and they'll be on your screen. Here's the first thing. Just some application for you and I as we look at this window that's just so inspirational, so in instructive. I think the first thing he's letting his disciples know that we're not done yet. I know you think we're done. I know you think we're going home, but we're not going home. We're not done yet. It always reminds me that right when I think I'm done, I'm not done yet. See, see, coach, you're not done yet. You would think we have a dream center. We're doing this. We're doing that. You're not done. You're not done doing campuses. You're not done reaching people. You're not done uh, doing outreaches. You're not done building. You're not done giving. You're not done caring. You're not done serving. It's like a parent. You're never done raising your children. You just are not done yet. He's saying, guys, we're not going home. We're not done yet. And then the other thing that I love that he's saying to his disciples is, I know you think you know everything about me, but there's still some things for you to discover about me. Get in close, guys. Hello. He tells his disciples, come to me. Come. Let me tell you. Hey, guys, there's still things to discover. I don't want the people to go home hungry. I care about that also. Care about every detail. Look closely. You'll see how much I care about other people. You know, I love NBA basketball. Uh, living in Baton Rouge, I would go see the New Orleans Hornets play. They were the Charlotte Hornets, and then they were the New Orleans Hornets, and now the Hornets have moved back to Charlotte, and now New Orleans is the Pelicans, <laughs> which I can't stand. We're the fighting Pelicans. Oh, oh, oh. It's terrible. It's terrible. 
But uh, I'd go see NBA, take my son to see NBA basketball, love it, love it. And we'd always, you know, I'm cheap, I'm Italian, you know, sit up in the nosebleed section, and, you know, way far away, you know, get the cheapest seats. You didn't even know there was a basketball game going on so far away. You'd have to check your phone to get the score. You can't even see the scoreboard. What's the score? Can't see it. And so one day, a friend of mine who knew that I loved NBA basketball, the Hornets had made the playoffs. They were playing the Lakers. So he said, here, I'm going to give you some tickets. Run down there and go see a game with your son. We go down there, go up to the arena, go through the doors, start heading upstairs, get upstairs. And the usher stops me. And she says, excuse me, sir, you're not down here. You're, you're lower. I'm lower. Awesome. We're lower. We're lower, guys. Um, Come on back. Me and my son, we go downstairs. We go to the next. And, and the usher stops. Oh, excuse me, sir, you're lower. How low, take the elevator to the ground floor. Awesome. If you're at a sporting event and they tell you to take the elevator to the ground floor, it's going to be a sweet night, <laughs> FYI. Take an elevator to come out of the elevator, walk out the tunnel. Me and my boy. Like, yeah. <laughs> what up? Just looking. I think I'm going to get arrested. You know, they're, they're, they're pranking me. You know, a lady walks up, excuse me, sir, can I help you? I get his tickets. Ursher's like, oh, okay, come with me. We walk up past all these rows of chairs, walk out on the court, my brother. <laughs> I'm on the court. Dino Rizzo's on the NBA court. Holla with my boy. Walking out there. Because <laughs> you got to act like you've been there, but you are excited, so you're like... How y'all doing? <laughs> I'm good. How you doing? Good to see you. Just governor, owner, courtside, half court. Hardwood. I got my feet on hardwood. About 10 minutes before the game, Hornets come out, Lakers come out. I mean, it, they're right. Kobe Bryant is right there. Here's Kobe. I'm like, Kobe! <laughs> come here! Security. Security, rest that man. I couldn't believe it. Then before tip-off, my son holds the basketball. It's a I mean, you hear sneakers squeaking when they run by you. They run by you. You smell their body odor. For an NBA basketball fan, it's like the hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> Amazing. Game's over. We don't want to leave. Walk outside. Pull tickets out of my pocket. Sit in my car. I look at the face face. $675 each. I thought two things. Number one, God, that guy really loves us. Number two, I really love him. I will pastor him for eternity. <laughs> he will never leave my care. <laughs> I don't know why it dawned on me. I have spiritual moments in odd places. Uh, it dawned on me. Premium view, premium price. You can't have a front row seat if all you're willing to pay is a cheap seat price. Let that sink in for a second. I think so often we want to pay a cheap seat price for a front row seat in what God is doing in the world today. 
Can I tell you something? It'll take a premium price as a parent to be up close and personal with what God is going to do in your children's lives. It's a premium price to have a front row seat in your marriage. I believe God wants Seacoast to be willing to pay a premium price so that God can put Seacoast Church on the front row of what he's doing today with hurting humanity, with people that are suffering, people that are struggling, people that are fighting addiction, people that have had loss and grief and rejection and problem and pain and all kinds of hurt, people that have had the worst week of their life. That at every campus and at every expression that God would move us to the front row because there's still more to be done. There's still more to discover. And you discover things on the front row seat that you'll never discover in the back row. And then the other thing he teaches those boys is there's something else for you to distribute. I know you thought you were going to go home. And I know you thought you've had a great 72 hours. But wow, there's some other things that I'm going to hand you. And you're going to hand others. There's some things I'm going to put in your hands. There's some things that I'm going to pass to you so that you can pass to others. There's some blessing. There's some, some things in your life. There's some, some things you've been through. There's, there's something. There's, there's, there's this. There's that. I'm going to place it in your hands so that you can relay it to someone else. I've studied this and studied this. And just this week, I wrote down three statements about distribute. And I want to, I want to finish with these. Just reminders. Just reminders. Here's the first one. There's something about you that you can lift another person. So what do you want? What am I supposed to distribute? There's nothing special about my life. I, I have nothing to distribute from God. I, I have nothing to distribute. I'm, I, I'm here to tell you there's something about your life. There's something about your timeline. There's something about your journey. There's something about your story. Can I tell you, there's not a pain in your life that God cannot use for purpose. There's something about the pain, the struggle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. There's something about it that we, we put it in the hands of God that God can multiply and use it to be a blessing to somebody else. There's something about what you've been through. Here, that's why I believe that you need to get through what you're going through. Because until you get through what you're going through, you're not going to be able to help somebody get through what they're going through. Somebody's waiting on you to get through what you're going through because then you're going to help them get through what they're going through. How often have we seen that we go through a problem, we go through a season in our life that we can't stand? Why am I going through this? I can't stand it. I hate it. But then all of a sudden, a year later, two years later, three years later, you find yourself in a coffee shop talking with someone who is entering a tough season of their life. And you find yourself extracting something from that season, using it now to lift somebody else. Hey, if I got through that, guess what? You can get through it. I tell you what I did is I prayed. I joined a small group. I got close to God. There's just things, that, there's something about you that's so valuable. The other thing I learned about this is I think this is so true as it relates to distribution, is there's something you possess that if you release it, could bless another person. There's just something you possess. I don't know what it is. Maybe some time. Maybe some talent that you have. Maybe a special touch you have. Maybe a treasure that you have. That as you release it, 
See, I believe your generosity ripples. You give your tithe, you give offering, you help somebody down the street, you bless somebody, you're there for somebody. You step into someone's train wreck. You, you, you lean a shoulder into someone who's, you lift a little bit of their burden. It's amazing how there's something that you and I have that when we release it, we offer it to God. We surrender it to our Savior. He uses it and he blesses somebody else's life with it. There's something about you that's valuable. Don't ever underestimate what you can add. Don't ever underestimate the treasure that you have. Don't ever underestimate how you can take something about your life and your situation as an educator or maybe in health care or, or maybe in law enforcement or as a, as a mom, as a, as a single mom, as a blended family. There's something about that that God can use. Don't underestimate it. There's something. Leads me to this last idea that we learn about distribution. I believe he's trying to teach his boys that day and he wants to teach us here at Seacoast on and on. Another reminder, there's a serve in you for another person. I believe God has wired us to serve. I believe God's wired us that, that the way out of our pain and the way out of our situation and the way we move forward is not absorbing ourselves into what we're going through or not... Uh, circling around our situation and, you know, our, our, our challenge and, you know, just all about me, myself, and I. I believe the way out of those things is when we begin to look up and we begin to see the needs of others and we begin to ask God, how can I serve other people? You know, it's amazing how when we get to heaven that, that the Bible tells us that we will not be uh, welcomed with, well done, thou good and faithful nurse, banker, educator, student, those are amazing. God uses us in our vocation. We are to be faithful in our vocation. But you know what he calls all of us? There's a commonality that we get welcomed with in heaven. He says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. We may be called many things on this planet, but we're called one thing in the next situation, and that is servants. Nothing more, nothing less. Servant of the Most High. There's something about you. There's a serve in you. That's why I love when I walk through the foyer of this church. There's a whole area that says serve. Where we can connect and begin to serve. You know, I love, I don't know if you've seen this or not. Coke is doing an incredible marketing deal right now. They're putting names on Cokes. Share a Coke with Austin. Someone say share a Coke with family. Someone, I saw one last night. Share a Coke with your BFF. Share a Coke with Phil. Uh, share a Coke with Jorge. You can't say Jorge. Like, Jorge. Jorge. The other day I was in a store, and, uh, and so I'm, I've got the cooler open. I'm trying to find Dino. I'm looking through Courtney, Jessica, Hannah. Cool, cooler's open. Finally, lady, excuse me, sir, you need to shut that cooler. Trying to find Dino. Shut the cooler. Ain't no Dino up in here. Shut the cooler. Call the police. Share a Coke with the police. Shut the cooler. Welcome to Birmingham. I love this idea. When Delenn and I, my precious wife, we were pastoring. We started pastoring. We just started with a handful of people. We started a church of 12 people. 
And we just wanted to reach people. And so we had an idea, it's so hot in South Louisiana. And we said, let's, let's go to red lights. And we'd heard somebody do this up in Ohio, giving out water. And so Louisiana are healthy people. So we said, let's go to red lights and give out Cokes. And, um, and we just started getting creative with it. Didn't really know how to do it. A little spontaneous, a little crazy, not real structured. Uh, you know, a little ADD. I know that shocks you about me. And uh, it's, a, it's a little random. So let's just go to four-way stop, red lights. There was one down the street, huge red light. Let's put up ice chests at every corner, put free Coke. And we're going to give out free Cokes to people. No strings attached. We don't want money. It's just a way to show God's love in a practical way. And let's just see what happens. You just never know. So we started doing it. It was a blast. I had so much fun. And, and we, you know, you go down there and you ice the Cokes down. You're at a red light, free Cokes. And you're just there like, hey, you want a free Coke? It's free. You know, it's summertime, everybody's sweating. Well, free Coke. 90% of the people are like, awesome. And we give them a Coke, Diet Coke, Coke Zero. And, you know, 90% of the people are like, thank you. Sometimes people want to give you money. No, 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 for free. We don't want anything. And we just want to bless you. We'll give a little card that would say that God loves you. And the world has not changed through small acts of kindness. Or it's through big acts, but through small acts of kindness. And we just say, hey, if you ever need anything, we're here for you. No strings attached. It was awesome. I mean, 90% of the people were like, great, yeah, woo. We started seeing people come to small groups, start people coming to church. Uh, you know, every once in a while, somebody get nervous and, you know, wouldn't roll down the window. And you're like, you want free Coke? Bluetooth! Police! No! You know, slow. I kind of like that too. I was just like, break up. The lady stopped one day. We were probably two years into it. And I was, we were clean. It was late in the afternoon. We were cleaning. It was a Friday afternoon. We'd given out, I think, Pastor Josh, 2,600 Cokes that day. Fantastic. Just so much fun. And um, she stopped, pulled up an old beat up truck. She got out of the car. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? I'm Macomb, Mississippi. Who's in charge of this outreach? And we had police move us a little bit. We'd had to stop, and then we just moved to another little place, you know, serving and breaking the law, serving and breaking the law. <laughs> That's awesome. Living for God, breaking the law. And so I was like, well, that, I didn't know if she was playing. I am. She says, great. Let me, let me tell you, I, I, I'm from Macomb, Mississippi. We do outreach every Friday night in Macomb, Mississippi. I said, well, tell me about that. What do you do? She said, well, I get in this here truck. We pull up to Walmart. That's where all the kids hang out, bring their trucks and play music. We go on Bullhorn because they're playing the music. And I stand in the back of my pickup truck, and I, I preach to them. Just preach hell, fire, and bread. Tell them they all go to hell. I said, wow, how, how's that working for you? That's awesome. <laughs> That's a great idea. She said, well, they all leave. And then they go down to Sonic. We go down to Sonic. And then, and then they run. They, then we have to chase them to Rite Aid. I've got the bullhorn out the window, hollering at them. Then we lose them, and we chase them all night long with the bullhorn. Wow, that's, that's so godly, <laughs> spiritual. She said, I want to do this outreach. No problem. Ice chests, ice down Cokes, get signs, stand on the street corner, share God's love, watch and see what happens. No strings attached. Loving others. Two weeks later, they do it. Two months later, she shows back up on a Friday afternoon and says, Pastor, I need to tell you something. She tells me this story. I'm not sensationalizing the story. I don't do that. She said, we did an outreach, the first one. 
and we gave out Cokes. That Sunday morning at the close of our little service time, little response time like we have here, this incredible church, small church. So it's just 50 people there. Mom and two daughters are on the back row. They come forward for prayer. They begin to tell the pastor, we're here today visiting because we had to come see a church that cared enough to give us a Coke for free. We've never received anything from free, especially from a church. The pastor was able to lead that mother and those two teenage daughters to Jesus. What a great morning. The next night, mom came back, brought dad. Close of the service response time, he comes forward with mom, two daughters. He looks at the preacher and says, Preacher, I've not darkened the door of a church in 25 years, but I had to come see a church that would give my family something for free. That pastor leads that husband, that dad to the Lord. He meets Jesus. Later on that evening, they got baptized as a family. Crazy. You just never know. You never know how your serve can impact someone's life. On Thursday, I'm sorry, Tuesday of that week, that dad goes and meets Jesus. He passes away, never wakes up out of his sleep. On Thursday, they have the funeral. At the close of the service, the mother says, excuse me, pastor, can I, can I say something about my husband? Mom walks down, the daughter's with four Coke cans, places them on top of the casket. It says, because you loved us in a practical way, we'd have never came here if you wouldn't have served us like that. But you gave us a Coke. My husband is with Jesus. Can I tell you something? This Coke has the name Amanda on it. Your serve has somebody's name on it. And you never know how it can impact them into eternity. Don't underestimate your value. Don't underestimate your sacrifice. Don't underestimate your distribution. You never know how your love, your prayers, your giving, your caring can impact someone's life for eternity. Amen. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. Lord, there's probably somebody here today who's hurting. There's probably someone here today who needs to respond. They're going to be given an opportunity. In just a moment, Pastor Josh is going to come give you an opportunity to respond to the love of God. Lord, I just pray for this church. I pray you reignite their heart to serve. Reignite our heart for others. Help us not to be impatient. Set us free from meism. Let us live our life for others. Others, others, others for the cause of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name.